We are in John chapter 6. We'll get to celebrate Holy Communion here soon on All Souls Sunday. And leading up to the table, we're going to hear from the bread of heaven that came down and is for the whole world. John chapter 6, verses, I'm actually going to read verses 26 through 36. This is part one in a sermon I'm calling life to the world. And so we'll finish up. We'll stay in this same passage, verses 26 through 36. And we're continuing this series, the red letters of John. We're trying to focus on exactly who Christ is through what Christ said, the way Christ lived as we seek to follow. We're told here in this passage in following Christ and trusting in Christ, we find life for us. So let's look at this together. John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and for free. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. To that they said, well, what do we do then to get in on, the work, on God's works? Jesus said, sign on with the one that God has sent. That kind of a commitment gets you in on God's works. They waffled. Why don't you give us a clue about who you are? Just a hint of what's going on. When we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Show us what you can do. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus responded, the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is right now offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. The bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. They jumped at that. Master, give us this bread now and forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us now the words of life. More than just hearing something, I pray that we would feel it. I pray that we would experience you, who you really are, and what you have done for us, and then who we really are. No matter who that is, no matter where we come from or even while we're here, I pray that you would show us something new, something good. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is right on the heels, as you may remember, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he, last, as we saw last Sunday, uh, ends up walking on the water, showing up to his disciples who were in a boat, some of his disciples going to, across the sea to Capernaum. So these people, it's a massive crowd that he had just fed, and they, they're pretty wild and amazed. 
And so they end up following Jesus to where they think he is. They, in, the, in the verses before this, we see they, they see the disciples, but Jesus actually wasn't in the boat. And so they're asking about Jesus. They, Jesus sees them and then enters into this conversation with them, you see. So that's where, where we are. And we're told in verse 33, and this is really where I want to focus. Focus. We're told in verse 33 that Jesus, the Christ, remember, Christ is not his last name. That's a, that's a title. It means the anointed, the, the chosen one, the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ, he says, has come to give life to the world, as in the whole world, one lump corporately. This is his emphasis. More, he doesn't begin with the individual, although we get there, certainly individuals make up the whole, but you have to see the gospel is about one lump first before you really understand its power. In the 14th century, there's this anonymous Christian mystic wrote a book, really a a prayer guide that, that many think is inspired, and um, it's called The Cloud of Unknowing. Again, no one knows who wrote this. It happened in the 14th century, and that's a pretty cool title, The Cloud of Unknowing. And in this book, the author is, uh, writes that, that God in Christ, this is what God in Christ did, dealt with sin, death, Forgiveness and salvation all in one lump. Now I'm using Richard Rohr's language from the universal Christ. He makes much of this in one of his chapters, this one lump approach, this corporate understanding more than, now this is, you may know, this is the opposite of how Western culture approaches things. The Western culture approaches the individual first and unfortunately, stays there oftentimes. And, and if we do that, we actually miss out on the full power of the gospel because Jesus comes and has in mind, well, actually all of God's creation, all of God's creation. This certainly includes individuals. So here's what this means. Here's this, so I want to talk about the one lump effect or... or um, application, and impact of the gospel. This is, this is where we're rooting this. This is what this means. Is first, you have to understand we are all connected. We are all connected. Like even your enemies and my enemies, those people that you don't like, right? We share. We are all connected. We all come from God, the creator. One God, the God, is where we find our origin. We are made, Genesis 1 and 2 says, in the likeness or in the image of that one God. That means whether you like it, whether I like it or not, we are all one. We are all connected to one another. My well-being, therefore, is dependent upon your well-being. If I receive good news, it's not good news unless, unless it's also good news for you. You see, that's one lump approach to, to thinking, to life. So, not only are we connected to one another, but we're connected to all of creation, actually. All of creation comes from God, the creator. So we're made of the very same stuff 
as the earth. We're connected to creation in that way as well. So when the gospel proclaims good news, it's not good news unless it's good news for all. All of creation, in fact. This is a one-lump approach in understanding to the gospel that is, we're going to have to deconstruct and unlearn some baggage, some worldly baggage in the West in order to really get this. But I'm convinced of this, and I'm experiencing this more and more. The gospel is not fully unleashed. The power of the gospel and of the kingdom is not fully unleashed unless we get this. Unless we see God's work in the world this way, that is corporately rather than individually, we will not experience all the power and the fuel that this bread of heaven has to offer, who is himself Christ, the bread of heaven. And also the world around us, society is waiting to be impacted by good news for all of creation, not just this group over here. And so until and unless we unleash the full power of the gospel, well, the world won't experience its impact either. So the main teaching today is, is, is this. This bread of life, Jesus, the Christ, the bread of life is free and for everyone. Does that sound like good news? Free. You heard it. Jessica read it. Come to this party. Guess what? It's a rich feast without cost. It's all for free. And it's, here's what we're going to have to get over, though. It includes those people that we don't want it to include, though. But if it doesn't include them, it doesn't include us. The bread of life is free, and the bread of life is for the world. The bread of life is for everyone. Who is Jesus? These are our two questions today. Who is Jesus? That's one heading. And what is required in order to experience him? First, who is Jesus? N.T. Wright, uh, great, I think, probably the best New Testament scholar today, um, but he says this. He says, what matters is not just what Jesus can do for you. These people show up. As you hear Jesus, he calls us out in them. You're here because of what I did for you. I filled your stomachs. And it was free. And it, it was real, and I meant it. But there's something deeper and better than that. So N.T. Wright says, what matters is not just what Jesus can do for you. What matters is who Jesus is. Only if you're prepared to be confronted by that in a new way can you begin to understand what he can really do for you, what he really wants to do for you. So, who is Jesus? Verse 27 tells us, the Son of Man, whom God has set God's seal. So, this Son of Man title is a, is a favorite of Jesus's. It just means this is a king who shows up to serve humanity, all of humanity. Son of Man, it's a servant, has a servant kind of imagery. The Son of Humanity. That's the title that he loves to take upon his own lips and upon, the, upon himself more than any other. And so he says in verse 27 that he is the son of man. And this is also prophesied in the Old Testament that this son of man would come and be the one to eventually put everything to rights, to fix it all. You, me, the world, this is the one. 
He came some 2,000 years ago. The Son of Man, whom God has set God's seal. Now, he's trying to convince God-fearing people, religious people, who said they would worship the same God, that he is God's seal. And you see they're very skeptical. That he has God's seal upon him. They're very skeptical. But at the very least, this is what this means. And I've, I've quoted this um, a number of times before. This is what Brian Zahn says, that Jesus, like what it means for Jesus to be God's seal, to have God's seal, it means Jesus is everything God has to say to the world. Everything God has to say to the world is embodied. It's not in a book, actually. That book just shines a light on this one who is real and alive and flesh and blood from heaven. Jesus is everything God has to say. And I would add everything God has to do for the world is in Jesus. That's who Jesus is. He also calls himself the bread of life. And uh, he makes it very, very clear that the bread of life to the world, to or for the world, the whole world. In verse 35, we see that um, basically Jesus is talking about this nourishment that he has to offer that we all desperately need that is more than just filling our stomachs. Uh, it's more than just kind of surface level um, uh, instant gratification, if you will, although some, you need food. But he's offering something deeper than that and uses food as a metaphor, clearly, and as a reference to himself as being that thing that one that we need for the deepest hunger of our heart. Only he can give it. Only he can satisfy what really, what, this deep sort of hunger that we all have. N.T. Wright again says, until they recognize who Jesus really is, they may be fed with bread and fish, but there is a deep hunger inside them that will never be satisfied. Do y'all, do y'all know what I'm talking about? This deep hunger where there's just you feel like there's just got to be more to my life like to this life there's I'm aching I'm hungry for something and everything I'm chasing is just is not really scratching the itch it's hard it's hard to explain what we what we don't even really know what will satisfy us this is the problem we don't really know we just feel the the hunger but we don't really know what it is that's going to satisfy, and we therefore can't articulate it. <laughs> but here's the thing. When we feel it, when we experience this thing, we know. It's just momentary. We might have a feeling of complete and utter meaning and purpose. We, we have that moment where it feels like everything comes together and time disappears we lose track of time. In that moment, we are experiencing God. It's hard to explain, but you, when you feel it, when you experience it, you know it. And even afterwards, you can't ex really explain it. You just know, briefly, I was satisfied. It, it, just, it can be very momentary. What Jesus is saying is, he is that. If, if you want that life now, and here's the good news. It's a satisfaction that will last forever. 
this is where you turn. You turn to the Christ. You turn to Jesus. You put your trust in this one. This is who God is. God has come to satisfy our hunger. This is what Jesus is claiming. It's, it's now up to, it is up to you and me to receive it or not. We, love is never forced. The love of God is never forced on anyone. We, we maintain agency always, I believe. Jesus is saying, here I am, and he tells these people, you don't really believe me. But, he, but his claim is, if you do, he's promising we will begin to experience this life that lasts forever, that is eternal. We don't have to wait till we die, though. It's a life that begins now and lasts forever. That's what he's offering. So in verse 27, we see this is a food that lasts for life eternal. The Son of Man will give it with, with no questions asked, just indiscriminately to anyone that wants it. This is, again, the, these are the two, I think, essential ingredients to the gospel in order to really feel the power. It has to be unconditional, free acceptance and for everyone. It has to be free and for everyone. Now it's up to you whether or not you receive this offering. But, but there's nothing you got to do, which gets us to our last question. What is required in order to experience him? Well, you just simply believe. You know, you've heard me say before, we are human beings, not human doings. But, but we're always after, we want to accomplish something, so I don't feel like a loser, right? Well, this is hard for us. This, this is what makes grace so hard for us, unless you've really fallen, unless you really know who you are, unless you've suffered. Grace can be hard to embrace because it, it can feel like a, hard, like a hard pill to swallow because it's not asking anything of me, and I want to prove myself, Right? So Jesus has asked that right here. What, what can I do? What can we do to do the works of God? Here's the, quote, work of God you simply believe. It's, it's a non-work. It's, it's interesting how his, he responds that way. What can I do to do the works of God? Nothing. You can sit and receive and let God do all the work in and through you. But here's what happens there's a whole book in the New Testament about this. Faith without works is not faith. It's dead. Here's an even better translation. Faith without action is dead. So as we embrace this good news, God shows up and God begins to spur us, enable us, move us into action, namely the action of love. Jesus is very clear on this, love for God, love for neighbor, and love for yourself. Love for the whole world. This is the action that then is produced in us, or it's not real faith, not in this God at least. So the work of God is simply to believe, and God will produce the action from there. Um, sorry, if, if you came to church looking for something to do, you're going to be sorely disappointed. There's nothing you can do. 
But once you get over that a little bit, man, this becomes this. There's a power unleashed into you, and you begin doing things that you you're not even aware you're doing. It no longer becomes a chore to love people because in loving others, God, your neighbor, yourself, you are also experiencing life. It's it's a mutual benefit, or it's not the real thing. It's not this God. All that God requires. This is not easy, though, is surrender. Okay. Surrender. Those who are involved in 12 steps know this well. And this is also why the 12 steps work. You have to admit you're powerless. There's nothing I can do. It requires surrendering, especially to the God made in our own image. And usually, if left unchecked, our ego always, really, will make a God who divides up the world into two lumps, good and bad, us and them, right? This is, but this is us projecting our egos onto God. This is not the God that is. That is not the God that is. This is us making God after our own image, and the end result is a worshiper of that God who's not very happy, who's filled with hate, and resentment. And what Jesus is offering is, is a better life, <laughs> a better life than that. So much better. That's, this is the good news is, yeah, it's, it's a tough pill. You have to put your ego in the back seat and realize that I'm really just the same. In, yeah, is the USA. But, and that's, that's, you talk about a hard pill for a Palestinian to swallow. But once if that happens, this is, the, this is the power of the gospel. The barriers and the walls come down. And if you're able to see your connection to your neighbor, even your enemy, once you get over, once your ego takes a shot and you realize, or it takes a, yeah, like a punch, and you realize my well-being is tied to this person's well-being, life begins to happen that you never thought possible it doesn't happen without that, though. You eventually get to the place where you no longer want vengeance for certain people necessarily, or you, let, you give that up to God. That's what God says. I'll handle that. Give it up. To, that's not your job. And once we give that back to God, you and I are the ones that are actually set free from our resentments, from our bitterness, from our hate. This is... This is what Jesus is trying. Well, it's what he's inviting us into. And the good news is he doesn't require a sacrifice of your flesh and blood or my flesh and blood. The God that is, according to verse 33, offers God's flesh and God's blood to the world. It's yours. And so he says, you need to eat me. <laughs> you need to drink me. Metaphorically, yes, you need, but you need to, this is God sacrificing God for you, God's flesh, God's blood, literally for you so that we might have life. That's the God that is. It's a much, that's a much better God than, than the God that I oftentimes serve. Well, the, the bread here that Jesus was referring to is the only food that truly satisfies. This is the bread that gives what we actually want whether we realize it or not, and need. And here's what we really are after, a party. That is what we want. That is what we need. And that is where we're headed, friends.
there's this language uh, of the, it's like Jesus's favorite metaphor in the Bible for where everything is headed. And it's the language of a wedding banquet. And that's also used a lot in the Old Testament. And that's also what Jessica read. Isaiah 55 is an important passage for understanding uh, there in the Old Testament where everything is headed. And it's headed to a party. This is what we want. This is what we need. And you know what? You need a party that has other people in it. <laughs> I, I know this for a fact because um, this is a little, little sad story about sad little Chad, but I, I was given one party in my life that I know of as a kid, one birthday party. The only reason I even know about this is because my family had in their photo album pictures of it that they loved to show other people, and it was a picture of a party where no one showed up. <laughs> I'm sitting there. It's really funny. You can laugh. I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't need your pity, but just, just let's laugh together. It's funny to me. So, like, this is the only birthday party I, rem I remember, and it's chronicled in our family photo album, and I'm sitting there with a Kermit hat on. It was a Kermit, the frog-themed birthday party, and I'm sitting there at a large table with, that's made up, just like ready for a feast and a party, and I'm sitting there at the head by my, uh, the, the table by myself with my head down looking like my dog just died because nobody showed up. Okay, here's what happened. My mom put the wrong address on the invitation. Um, oh, sorry, the wrong date. Yeah, 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 the wrong date. They all showed up the next day, okay? So um, that's what happened. But for, I, don't, I still don't know why they, they get a kick out of talking about and showing the picture of me sitting by myself at my own birthday party alone. No one wants to go to a party alone. No one wants to be, make, friends, that is hell. That's, that, is, that is what hell is. We're headed to a party. Christ is giving an invitation to a wedding banquet that includes, oh, man, all the friends that you didn't even know you had. It, it includes the people that you don't necessarily like either. Jesus talks about a wedding banquet in Matthew, and it literally says the invitation is for, quote, the good and the bad. And in one fell swoop, Jesus does away with this dualistic binary thinking and puts it all into one lump. It's an invitation. Now, now you and I have to receive it. Again, God's love is never forced. It's never co you're not coerced into this. We maintain our agency. But this is who the party is for. It's for everyone. That's good news. Um, and the more... You know, the more you understand yourself and realize, oh, in a sense, I kind of am the problem. Like, I kind of am the bad guy, you know. Um, the, the more you're okay with other problems being there and other, quote, bad people being there. The food the wedding banquet has to offer is free. It's for everyone. But you, you do have to, and I have to accept the invitation. It's offered today. We don't have to wait. This is a life that's being offered to us today. And it's absolutely free and for everyone. All right, I'll finish with this. Um, there is a power that I, I believe is unleashed in this, a power of the gospel, a power of the kingdom, that again, like I said, is not fully unleashed unless you get these ingredients, unconditional love, and this idea of it being for everyone, even my neighbors too, even the neighbors I don't like. Now, um, uh, y'all may be like me. You have people that don't like you. 
You have people, in fact, that hate you. Y'all probably don't. I do, all right? In my line of work, I definitely have made some enemies over time. Um, I didn't mean to. I promise I'm not trying. I'm really not trying to offend anyone. I really am a people pleaser, as a matter of fact. Jennifer will be the first to tell you that. I'm trying to be faithful to this Christ, and he's giving me a lot of enemies in the process. And um, I've got some very close to home, uh, and I have been wronged by them. I've been harmed. My whole family has been wronged and harmed by them. And this is where the power of the gospel is unleashed, all right? This is my own personal testimony, my own personal experience. Whenever I begin to realize that my well-being is actually connected to theirs, even these people that wronged me, it's a tough pill to swallow because I even, I think I'm even justified in my disdain, my anger, I'm justified in those things, but yet those things keep, that keep me in prison. And it, this is what has happened. The more I realize, oh, this is a one lump kind of gospel and my well-being is tied to their well-being, it actually is enabling me to incrementally forgive, to love, because my loving them is actually tied also to my well-being. You see, this is, this is, this is a real, I'm, I'm bringing you in on a real live situation here where I've seen firsthand the power of the gospel set me free from bitterness and resentment. I got a ways to go <laughs> with, with some folks, but it is happening. It is happening. And it would not happen as long as I keep them over here in hell. That is not my call. My well-being is tied to their well-being and what it's doing over time is it's setting me free from my own bitterness and my own resentment. This is the power of the gospel. This is what I'm talking about. It's not unleashed without these ingredients. So Jesus, what, what is good? We're asking each, each, in each passage here in John, what is good, or that is good news or gospel about this passage today? And this is what I think Jesus would tell us. I have come to give you life now and forever. And I've come to give it to your neighbor too. Sorry. <laughs> Whoever they are. When we truly believe this, I think Jesus tells us, you'll now begin to experience the life I'm talking about. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. This is hard. It's also, I hope it's also good, particularly in seeing that this, this good news, that is the work of God for us, is absolutely free. It's unconditional. Help us to receive that and just to begin to see how big you are and maybe how small we've made you out to be and how big your love is. But, but maybe more than anything right now, I just, I just hope we walk out of here realizing that what you want more than anything is our freedom and our life. That is what you want out of us and for us. So help us to experience that. In Jesus' name, amen.